relationship networking, when you talked about being curious, I want to be curious not just about what do you do, um, but maybe what do you like to do? Or what are you doing this weekend? Or where are you going on your next vacation? Have the conversations that are broader. And we might find those places of interest and commonality. I actually did a program uh, for Lehigh last week, and somebody just referenced Croatia. And I said, I'm going to go there. And she's like, I want to go there. And we had this whole conversation around Croatia. And she's already sent me an email saying, will you let me know after you get back? I would love some tips and tricks. And so when we have those moments, then we have a reason to stay connected. And it's not always the work reasons. Welcome to Think Bigger, Think Better, where we explore how you can apply insights from visionary leaders and the most provocative philosophers and scientists of our time to make your life and our world a better place. Here's your host, author and speaker, Paul Gibbons. Hey, welcome back to Think Bigger, Think Better. I'm your host, Paul Gibbons. Today on the show, we have Michelle Tellis Letterman, author of many books, but most recently, The Connector's Advantage. You can find this conversation useful and probably find it a lot of fun. First, thank you to my newest Patreon contributor, Jan Drulik. It is much, much appreciated. It helps me keep Think Bigger, Think Better ad-free. Head on over to patreon.com slash paulgibbons if you want to join the contributors. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the show. Second, it's been a while since our last podcast. I've been finishing two books and have essentially written every hour I've been awake since the beginning of 2019. The good news is I'm nearly done. The Science of Organizational Change second edition is out. You can find out how the latest in behavioral science helps us influence people, change behavior, manage risk, and lead change. It has been called the best book in change in 15 years. Not by me, I hasten to add. Oh. I tend to agree. Uh, the last edition was $55 and soared to nearly $1,000 on Amazon um, recently when it went out of print. I got the rights back, and now it is $19.99 in paperback and $9.99 in ebook. And I'm really pleased to bring it to audiences at what I consider to be reasonable prices for business books. The second book I've been working on is Impact, and it's going to be about how we lead change in the digital age, including behavioral science, but crucially, de-biasing. So just knowing that people are biased and have these things called cognitive biases is useless by itself. You need to know how to de-bias yourself, your teams, and your organization. It has new change models and updates on some of the, I don't want to be too uh, pejorative, but some of the older, I think, not functional change models from the 20th century. Uh, it's also got a chapter on influencing that's very exciting. It's got a chapter on the future of work and digital transformation. Really a book that speaks to some of the most important business issues of our time. You can look for that around mid-July, uh, inshallah, as they say. And now on with Michelle. Michelle Tillis Letterman is one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts and is the author of four books, including The 11 Laws of Likeability and the new release, the number one Connector's Advantage. She's a connection creator and CEO of Executive Essentials, which provides customized communications and leadership programs for Fortune 500 nonprofit university and government clients. She's a former finance executive and NYU professor. Michelle is a regular in the media, has appeared on NBC, CBS, Fox, NPR, and the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, CNBC, and others. Michelle is known 
for helping people work better together and advance their individual impact. So with that, Michelle, welcome to Think Bigger, Think Better. Thanks for having me. Hey. So uh, so this networking, relationship stuff, I mean, I'm I'm kind of minded, I'm kind of a business-minded kind of guy. Why, why does this really matter, all this connecting stuff? It, it matters for business more than people, I think, realize. One of the things I actually say, and, and I think this might help kind of give people the big picture of why it matters, is that if you think way back in time to the agricultural age, land was our most important asset. And back in the industrial age, machine was the most important asset. And in the information age, it was technology. Today's the network age. Our relationships are the most important asset we have. And whatever it is that you're working on, you're more likely to have it happen faster, easier, and with a better result than you could have ever expected if you are a connector. I'm sold. I I believe that. I just wanted to to hit you with something hard right out of the gate there, but... uh, I've been so lucky in my career, and it's the kind of luck where uh, somebody that I've managed to stay in touch with over decades has gone, hey, you know, you should connect with my boy, Paul Gibbons. He'll hook you up. He's the best, you know, whatever. So, any, so many serendipitous things like that have made my business career. All of the See, other stuff. It's yeah, it's not cool. serendipitous. See, that's the thing. One of the things I talk about in the book right away is stories, like you just said, and stories that I will say that sound like it's serendipitous or sounds like it's luck. It's not. It is infusing the seven mindsets of a connector that I talk about that enable and ensure even that these things happen because it's how we approach life. It's how we approach people. It's how we approach business. Yeah. But you know, it's funny, you, you approach it in a, in a, in a, in a different way. You know, I always thought when I was first started in consulting in 1993, they said the power, they talked about networking in our orientation course or something like that. And it always sounded like super slimy to me. Like I'd be sliming up to people and being and schmoozing and and hoping to get something out. And that's not your take at all, is it? No, I actually hate the word networking. It has the word work in it. it really, <laughs> yeah. uh, I say networking is just another way of saying making friends. And we all love to do that. And you're always networking. You're always connecting. You're always wherever you are. I mean, I have made friends at the dog park, on the line at the ladies' room, because there's always a line at the ladies' room. My mother meets people like when she's um, in the restroom after the movie. Like That's her place. <laughs> um, but you're, I mean, on the playground at the kids' school, at your um, religious affiliation, like where, wherever you are, like you are always connecting with others. It's just that conversation that we have, and you just never know where it leads. I've actually made business contacts chaperoning a sc- my kids' school field trip to the Jersey Shore, you know? <laughs> you know, all right, so I'm going to put my cynical hat on here. I'm going to put my bah humbug hat on. But I, I, this isn't a true of me. But someone says to me, yeah, but I'm really shy. That's okay. When I talk about how we connect, it doesn't have to look a certain way. One of the mindsets that we talk about is being social and curious. And I want to be very clear that I don't mean social butterfly. I don't mean life of the party. Being social just means putting yourself in environments where you're open and willing to connect with others. And being curious is about showing an interest in them in learning about them and understanding how you might connect and relate. So if you even hear my voice, I can be really outgoing and and, and I love all that stuff. But even I sometimes get drained from, from those events. And we can bring whatever energy is productive for that time. If you want to connect and you don't love those big networking events, 
Here's what I'll tell you. You don't have to go to all of them. I don't want you to go to none of them, but you don't have to go to all of them. You can think about the ways you like to connect. Maybe you like being online first and initiating there. Maybe you like small group settings. Those are great. It doesn't have to be big, bold, and and, um, extroverted. Do you know what I suspect, though? I suspect that a lot of people's shyness and anxiety about these things is feeling that they have to say something. But if I listen to you, what you're saying is like curiosity and asking about the other person. So, I mean, you can be really shy, but you can also be curious and not talk so much about yourself, but like, tell me about you and what are you up to right now? And what are your big dreams and plans and, you know, and all of that. So, so it, the shyness might be because you're afraid that it's like about you, but if you make it about them, then, you know, you lost maybe less shy. I don't know. Is that true? Okay. So you're making me actually think about my first book, which is the 11 laws of likability. This book that we've been talking about, the connector's advantage is the follow-up to that book. Okay. So let's go back even a little further to the 11 laws of likability. And in that book, I talk about the anatomy of a conversation. We just talked about, you know, being social and curious, asking open-ended questions, getting people talking. When you are in that conversation, and if you are feeling that you don't love to talk about yourself or you're shy, think about an opening question that you might also be willing to share some information about and that you're really actually interested in. And so once they start talking, you have two options um, and you want to do both. You want to listen and probe ask additional questions, but not interrogate, you know, show the interest and and explore where they're taking that conversation. But you also want to listen and share because you want, I always think of a conversation a little bit as a dance, right? You lead, I follow, I lead, you follow. We have a back and forth. It's a give and take. And we don't want it to be all one-sided, all information coming at us. We want to give information out as well because we want everybody to find those points of connection, those you to me to moments. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we talked about the fact that I don't love the word networking. So I coined a new phrase for it, which is relationship networking, because the publisher said I had to have the word in for SEO. So I got to bless them, right? <laughs> so relationship networking, when you talked about being curious, I want you to be curious, not just about what do you do, um, but maybe what do you like to do? Or what are you doing this weekend? Or where are you going on your next vacation? Have the conversations that are broader. And we might find those places of interest and commonality. I actually did a program uh, for Lehigh last week, and somebody just referenced Croatia. And I said, I'm going to go there. And she's like, I want to go there. And we had this whole conversation around Croatia. And she's already sent me an email saying, will you let me know after you get back? I would love some tips and tricks. And so when we have those moments, then we have a reason to stay connected. And it's not always the work reasons. Right, you're right. Right, 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 right. So that was... The 11 Laws of Likeability. Why don't, for listeners uh, who may not have read that, why don't we give them two or three of those, a little sample? The good news is that I summarize the entire book in chapter two of my new book, The Connections Advantage, because it does play off of it. We do build on the concepts. Um, Uh, The the original book was really what we do before, during, and after a conversation. Uh, and so we we move from authenticity to self-image to perception and energy because so we are in the right mind frame for connection. The conversation is curiosity, listening, similarity, and mood memory. And then after the conversation, we have the laws of familiarity, giving, and my hardest, patience. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, you're from the East Coast, right? Come on, yes. come on, come on, come on, come on, get on with it. <laughs> I'm a Jersey girl. <laughs> right. Right, 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 right. The Showa. <laughs> are, you, are you near the Showa? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm closer to the mall. <laughs> uh, 
I think I think when I first spoke to you, I think we we found out we have a Jersey connection. I I I I, I spent some of my childhood in a place called Bloomfield, New Jersey. Is that anywhere near you? It is. I actually dated a guy from Bloomfield, New Jersey, for about eight years. <laughs> oh my! Oh my God! <laughs> That's weird. My memory of it, even though I was four when we left, or five when we left, is kind of a Stepford Fort Wives kind of town. I don't know if that's true. Um, <laughs> that's I, I, it's not anymore. I couldn't speak to back then, but I, I have never felt that way about it. Yeah, it was in the 1960s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Before my time. <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. I'm going to be 60 years old soon. This is, a, this is an old, old dog old dog trying to learn some new tricks right here. All right. So let's go to mindsets to grow your infants, uh, the connector's advantage. So, so you have seven mindsets and seven levels. So would you mind uh, taking uh, listeners through a couple of those with perhaps examples? So let's start with understanding the connector spectrum, because those are the levels that you're referring to. And I don't want people to think I'm not a connector. There's very few people out there that are non-connectors. It is one of the levels, um, but you really have to believe that relationships aren't important and be really averse to them. Uh, so nobody's just survived in business for more than, more than a few years. I mean, you just can't can't be you can't survive in business unless you have some moderate relationship skills. I mean, unless you're Steve Jobs, perhaps. <laughs> um, so I would even he, uh, even he learned them when he grew up. But yeah. I would venture to say that everybody, you know, well, most everybody is at least an emerging connector. This is somebody who's beginning to infuse these mindsets um, into their interactions, um, but th they're definitely kind of just starting out there. We then move to the responsive connector. And this is where you're doing more, you get it, you see the value, you're having some success with it, but you're more in a responsive mode. People are requesting connections to you. People are requesting assistance from you and you respond to it, but you're not initiating it. You haven't yet realized the value you bring. Once you start to pull the first lever, right? There's two levers to help us move up the connector spectrum. And the first lever is to initiate or to respond. So emerging in a responsive connector, they're more in a responsive node. When we move to acting connector, we are initiating as well. So we are going out and connecting. We are the one who's suggesting how you might be of assistance, how you can add value to the relationship. So you're both initiating and responding. You are using these mindsets regularly. You're an acting connector. That's fantastic. That might be all you need to be. How important, what, uh, if I can stop you for a second, how important is adding value to the relationship conceptually? Adding value is extremely important. I would say both a law of likability and a mindset. So the law of giving, right back in the Love and Laws of Likability, is about giving because you can. And right. because you want to, because giving creates value. People kind of often ask me about the difference between networking and connecting. And my brother-in-law, I have to say, is the one who walked into my office one day and asked that question. And when I just answered him naturally, I was like, oh, my God, that's how I'm closing this book. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> networking is something you do. A connector is someone you are. That's why and how we're building. So a connector's mindset is of a generous spirit. And when we have that spirit of generosity, which is enabled by some of the other mindsets like trust and abundance and conscientiousness, I mean, these are all playing on each other. We are approaching our relationships differently. And it's that approach that enables us to move up the connector spectrum. So as I said, you might not need to be any further than an acting connector. But what I will tell you is the advantage that we're talking about of being a connector is that your results are going to be faster, easier, and better. Pure and simple, faster, easier, better. 
And the higher up the spectrum you go, the faster, the easier, and the better they are. So do if you, you know wanna... what I'm imagining? Imagining the differences. Like, I, I could see someone going to a, a networking event, right? And glad handing and hey, and business cards and all that, and not really connecting. Is connecting has a kind of a, an emotional depth to it. You know, I think depth is a key word. Is that, is that, is that one of the differences for you? Absolutely. And it's funny that you use that word because it's the depth and breadth is the other lever that we can pull to move up the spectrum. But I do think when you are networking, it feels more removed. When you are connecting, I mean, really, if you think about that word, it brings us closer together. It links us and you're looking for those links. So we use the law of similarity to help us find those links of connection. Right, right, right. And what is the law of similarity? Yeah, that sounds like Deepak Chopra or something like that. What is the law of similarity? <laughs> people like people like them. That's right, it. right, 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 right. People like people like them. But they but also. We, but we have to find that, right? It isn't like, you know, if I see someone who's different ethnicity and he's six foot five and skinny and, and you know, I'm five foot nine and round and, or she or, or, or whatever, you know, it, it's, it's, you, it takes inquiry and curiosity to find that sometimes. You know what the wonderful yes. thing about pop culture is? It connects us so much. Game of Thrones. <laughs> I, I don't watch have... that one. <laughs> oh, no. You don't watch Game of Thrones? I do not. I do not. My husband does, and he's very into it. I found I, I had 10, uh, 10 conversations in the grocery store about it the other day. But anyway, because <laughs> pop, pop culture has that connecting effect. But you have to look for similarity, right? It isn't, obvi- ob- isn't always obvious, right? Well, that's one of the things I talk about in the, the last section of The Connector's Advantage is how we diversify and expand our connections. Because I, I want to make sure I come, come back to the, the end of the spectrum because the breadth and depth of our connections and expanding and diversifying, that's critical to get to the highest levels of connector. So if you have a depth of connection in a certain industry or geography, you're what I call a niche connector. If you you ever say about somebody, oh, that person knows everybody in so-and-so, that's a niche connector. So everybody in finance or everybody in New Jersey or everybody in this company, whatever it might be, they're a niche connector. That's the depth. When you become a super connector is when you also have breadth and when you are in all industries, in all geographies, in all demographics, in all geographics, it's it's really uh, expanding up and down the ladder. And that gives you access to be able to help people and to get information faster, easier, and better. And if you cross your country's borders, then you're a global super connector. So those are the seven levels. But what you talked about in terms of expanding and diversifying connections, I want to highlight one tip I give. And that is that we need to call out the similarities and not focus on our differences. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and I think it's a very timely statement, um, but we are so in tune and so aware of how we are different. It's what we look for. It's what we see first. We have to make the effort to find the similarities. And similarities can be common interests, right? Game of Thrones. It could be common values. It could be common experiences, Uh, common dreams or goals. There's so many ways that we can find commonality that aren't visible and we have to look for them. Yeah. And that's so interesting. So our polarized times, because, you know, there's political, there's polarizing figures in our, in our politics in the United States, well, and in England as well, right? With Brexit, (laughs) but, but there are polarizing figures too. And so one, my mindset could be, you know, I hope this guy's not a Trump guy because I have no time for those. So that's a difference that I'm looking for difference. I'm looking to distance myself. But, you know, I might like golf or he might be interested in 
you know, history. I'm interested in history or so I, I can I can approach it with one of two mindsets, right? Like how am I different and, and or how well, how might we be similar? What might we share? And if we are focusing on the differences, what I would say is what can you learn based on those differences? So rather than being afraid of those differences, be curious about those differences to learn and to connect on those points as well. That's very grown up. <laughs> if you'll permit me a 10-second commercial break, Think Bigger, Think Better survives only because of the goodwill and support of its Patreon subscribers. So if you're loving the show, head over to patreon.com Paul Gibbons and hit that Become a Patron button. For as little as $2 a month, you get extra content, free content, can listen into recordings, and get free books. So thank you very much for your support, and back to our show. Well, I, I learned uh, so much from my from my reading of the book, and um, and I'm really enjoying this. Let's see, uh, have we talked enough about the mindsets yet? Because I seem so, to remember one that jumps out at me is abundance, and uh, I wonder, you know, like well, let's uh, let's share some of abundance for listeners. So I yes, we haven't talked. I've kind of touched on a few of them, so I'll list them out for you, and then we'll focus on abundance. So okay, okay. Uh, connectors are open and accepting. Yep. They have a clear vision. Yep. They believe in abundance. They trust, they're social and curious, which we did talk about, they're conscientious, and they have a generous spirit, which we also touched a little upon. Uh, abundance is actually one of the most challenging mindsets for people, and uh, myself included. It is difficult to come from a place of abundance and to believe in abundance because we have proof of scarcity, whether it's scarcity of resources, scarcity of opportunity, uh, scarcity of money, we, we see it. And if I go back to my my finance days, one of the things um, <laughs> that I might not have shared in my my bio is that I'm a recovering CPA. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I spent a decade in finance, <coughs> and when I started in finance in the early '90s, there was only one female partner in the firm, and there wasn't a lot of female senior managers. But yet there was 50% of our starting class was female. Right. And what we saw was there wasn't a lot of um, women reaching back to help other women because it was competitive. It was, well, there's only room for one at the top. It's going to be me, not you. I'm not going to help you. It was a very scarce mindset. A scarce mindset comes from experience. It comes from, and I always say that it's an anecdote to what you didn't have. Like I chose accounting because <clears throat> finances were scarce when I was growing up. And so I chose something that would not put me in that position. So abundance isn't about a Pollyanna attitude. Abundance is about the belief that it doesn't always have to be the way it is. So if I were there in finance, rather than saying, <clears throat> I have to fall my way against all of these other people, I could say, well, just because there's only one partner now doesn't mean there won't be more partners down the road. So believing in the possibility for more, believing that there is enough. I like to view everybody as a strategic partner rather than a competitor. Um, it opens up opportunities. I try not to compare myself in relation to other people. It still happens. Mm -hmm. um, and I share a story in the book where I was so jealous of one of my colleagues for this client she landed. And it was so cool. And it was a sports thing. And I was like, I like that sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you can't help that moment of envy. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you're coming from a scarce mindset. It's how you act on it. So when we are coming from a scarce mindset, our decision making is based on fear. When we're coming from an abundant mindset, our decision-making comes from possibility. You know, uh, uh, listeners won't know that you and I spoke a couple of times before this or something like that. 
and uh, we weren't previously acquainted. And I experience you as like one of the most abundance-minded people I've ever dealt with from the, the very get-go. Like, what do you can do for you? And you're writing a book, and here's a reference, and here's my friend Marshall Goldsmith, and this and that. And my friend has Dory dinners, and 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 uh, and uh, do you need a proofreader? Hey, I've got someone for you like that. And then we had a couple of email exchanges, and you're like, let me know when your book comes out, and I'll share that. You know, that's like. From my point of view, that's who you are. And for me, it, it leaps out as being as you're someone of like a tremendous who's very, very successful in her own right, but not successful because you're grasping and trying to see how much you can get from the world. But you're someone who's out in the world going, what can I offer? What can I contribute? What can I give? How can I can I nurture that? So, I mean, for me, you totally live it. Uh, you know, maybe not all the time, all the time. But for me, that you totally live the uh, abundance mentality from my point of view. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, and I think some of the examples you gave also show the idea of a generous spirit, but also conscientiousness, because I didn't offer or provide anything that I didn't think I could follow through on. You know, and I I manage expectations of, well, here's what I can do, and I, I can't promise somebody will respond, or things like that. So that's, I think you just kind of captured the epitome of what a connector is, because it is as you said, it jumps off of you. It's who you are. It's how you interact. And yes, it is how I think all the time. Because when you infuse these mindsets, it shifts the way in which we interact rather than having to go, okay, now I'm networking. Now I do these things. It's just how you are. One of the most senior business people, he ran uh, one of the big hedge funds in the world, one of the biggest hedge funds in the world. So he's like a pretty big cheese. I spoke to him for half an hour. I can't remember what it was about. But anyway, it was a while ago. Uh, it was a few years ago. Um, but anyway, uh, but what I do remember is after the meeting with him, I had five names. He's like, you got to talk to my buddy so-and-so. And, well, you know, the guy runs a hedge fund. So, like, you know, he's not he's not introducing me to the, you know, the caddy at the golf at the golf, <laughs> the golf club, right? I mean, these were serious people. So he said, here's my hand. He kind of opened up his Rolodex. And that's one thing that struck me as someone as successful as this, who I left the meeting, you know, feeling like, wow, that guy contributed a lot to me, which is just kind of an interesting experience, right? I was just like, whoa, that guy really, you know, wow, that was kind of, and, and I, and I, and in my head, I said, that's one of the reasons that guy's so successful is you leave a meeting with them and you feel like, your life has grown and you've been enhanced and contributed to and all that kind of stuff. Is that the shtick? Uh, you know, it's funny. We're jumping between the two books. <laughs> he, There's a couple things that he did. Um, yes, he had a generous spirit. Yes, he had the mindset of connector. Um, but he also created mood memory. Mood memory is the idea that people remember more how you make them feel than anything that you said. Right, right, right. Yes. He, he made you feel elevated. He made you feel empowered and he made you feel like there was possibilities and that you were valued enough for him to make those introductions that you felt worthy. I mean, there were so many things that, that you walked away from that meeting feeling and that's what mood memory does. Mm, fantastic. I didn't, I didn't have the distinction or I didn't recall the distinction was mood memory from the 11 laws. Mood memories from the 11 laws. And I haven't, so, I haven't read it. I haven't <laughs> only read the connections. <laughs> that's really cool. Well, but no, that explains how I felt at the end of that meeting. And so when we talked earlier, so full circle now, you said that connecting has an emotional impact. Well, mood memory is the key and the start of that emotional impact. So these laws of likability enable the connector's mindset. So here's one panic I have. I'm really, really good and I expand my world. I expand my connections with people. I expand my network. I'm a contributor. So, you know, I'm, I'm oriented towards abundance and trust and conscientiousness and offering and uh, my email, I already got 400 emails a day. 
Now I'm about to get 600. So mm-hmm. that is that an anxiety when you talk to people about this? You talk to people, you're, you're on the stage all the time talking about this stuff. Is that an anxiety you find that people have? It's like, I'm just going to be swamped with all of this incoming, you know, you know, the way the world is these days. Is that an anxiety? Um, I, you know, I haven't. It's one, I, it's one I have, right? I mean, I'm like, I don't want to talk to any more people. Shit, I'm overwhelmed as it is. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I have, you know, the the more I am out there, the more challenging it becomes for me to say yes to everybody. You know, and I used to give people an hour, and then it turns into thirty minutes, and now I'm kind of getting towards fifteen minutes because, because if I'm trying to give that fifteen minutes of of help. Uh, you know, there's more requests coming in. And so um, it does become challenging. I haven't had that being told to me from audiences yet. But I think, again, that comes from a place of fear. But when we talk about being conscientious, and I think this is important, connectors do what they say they're going to do. They follow up, they follow through. So to be a conscientious connector, you need to be very clear on what you're willing to say yes to and what you're willing to say no to. And so if you have a concern of being flooded with requests, have in your mind what your boundaries are or what your criteria for a yes is. My my husband literally had the word no on a sticky note attached to my monitor for over a year until the sticky gave out (laughs) Uh, because I needed to learn to say no a little bit more. And it's still a challenge. Um, And so one of the things I teach in the book is how to say no, how to say yes, and that they're not one word answers. But I've gotten better at saying no, but giving somebody the possibility of a yes down the road or how do they get a yes and recognizing that I don't need to feel bad about a no because I'm saying yes to something else. Well, there's a distinction uh, that I, I teach in one of my one of my classes on communication. There's no you've got to say no. So it's no to the request and not no to the person. Hey, why is having uh, one of your mindsets is clear vision? And it's something that I really got something out of when we spoke earlier. Um so having a clear vision, why does that matter? You're not going to get the co- the connector's advantage if you don't have a clear vision. Because okay. Okay. <laughs> connectors know what they want, and they're willing to ask for it, and they're willing to ask for help to get it. But if you don't know what it is that you're working towards, how are you going to get that result faster, easier, and better? So I guess, yeah. So if you know what you're about and what you're dedicated to and where you're heading in life, it's easy for people to contribute. But if you're like all over the place, then they don't know how they can contribute to you. Is that the sort of summary? Right. So I always tell people, always ask, what are you working on? Who do you want to know? How can I help you? You know, if you don't have an answer to that question, then what about when they ask you the same question? How are you supposed to get what you're working on faster, easier, and better if you don't know what that is? And it doesn't have to be your 10-year plan. It could just be, you know, hey, I'm looking to connect with this type of person. Or right now, my goal is I want to hit 100 reviews on Amazon. So if you've read the book, please post a review, whatever you think, honest reviews. That's my goal. Shoot, <laughs> I, I, shoot I haven't written a review of your book on Amazon. Okay, I have to do that. See, I just okay. got one more. I'm going to put that on my list. You because know, it's, I asked. It's, it's surprisingly hard to do. Well, you didn't even ask. You just sort of obliquely mentioned it. But anyway, review the conviction. Well, that's what's called the non-ask. So one of the ways that we, because sometimes people struggle asking for things. And so in the book, I talk about how to ask that doesn't put a relationship at risk. The non-ask is basically sharing what your objectives are, your goals are, and then seeing if they respond. Like you just did. You just said, oh, I, I should do that. Or I might say, hey, any ideas of how I can increase my my uh, reviews on Amazon? And you might have ideas for me. Maybe not you, but you know, hey, you know this system or something. That That's what a non-ask is, is you just say, here's what I'm working on. Very good. Very good. Michelle, we are uh, approaching the end of our time. I want to respect the fact that uh, you've 
uh, you're you're off to go connect someplace. Where are you heading next? What's up today? Um, I actually have four shows like this today. <laughs> oh my god! Really? I do, I do, and I was supposed to have five. I actually had to cancel one because I have a meeting out of the office. Um, but I have uh, four more today. That's insane. Do you have a newsletter or anything like that? Like, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? I love to hear from viewers, and I love when you do connect with me to tell me how you found me. Um, so the best place to start is my website, which is Michelle with two L's, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-A-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. From there, you can get to me on LinkedIn, uh, which is where I love to connect. You can find my blog. You can go to my YouTube channel. I do uh, what I call success shorties or these short little videos. And yes, it's also a play on my height. Uh <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the connectorsadvantage.com is where you can find out about some bonuses I give if you do a BOGO, which is buy one, gift one. So a great way to connect with somebody is give them the gift of the connectors advantage. And then you get all these extra bonuses. So you can find those out at the connectorsadvantage.com. That's wicked. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And and how do you spend your day when you're not being a radio and podcast superstar then? Like what what are you up to in the world that people can connect with? Like no you consult, consulting, speaking, whatever you do. Yeah, no two days are ever the same. Yesterday I did a full day training program. I'm out there uh, speaking at conferences. I don't do a lot of public where you can just sign up and come, but occasionally we have those. So if you're on my newsletter, you'll hear about them. Um, but if you are in an organization and you think this would be valuable to your organization, let me know. I will come out there and uh, I'll take your whole team and we'll, we'll have an experience. Yeah, imagine uh, what organizations would be like if you can increase the level of connectivity and likability within your organization, how much like community and passion and, and teamwork you could release. That's amazing, right? What well, I actually was with 100 leaders from an organization yesterday. We did oh a program gosh. called the Relationship Driven Leader and understanding why being a connected company with a connected culture with connected leaders leads you to a much bigger bottom line, a much happier workforce, much more productive workforce. Um, and so it's it's a, a great program that we ran. Actually, I ran it uh, last week as well, um, ran it yesterday. Uh, so it really is key to organizational success. Yeah, yeah. And especially, <laughs> it's, it's funny, one of the things I say in my new book that's coming out in, oh no, it's supposed to be coming out at the end of this month. I think it's going to be the end of the next month. But um, so uh, one of the things I say is that it, there's a certain paradox in that we have a world which is more and more technologically enabled. But paradoxically, the human is becoming more and more important in our technologically like driven world. It's some profound shit, actually, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I just spent yesterday writing about artificial intelligence for the whole day. Oh, my God, that was a head bake. But um, – so that's really cool. And and one of the things that's really disappointing to me is that you don't watch Game of Thrones. However, what do you watch? <laughs> Tell us about some guilty pop culture habit you have. You listen to Justin Bieber? Uh, General Hospital. I've General been Hospital? Watching, I've been oh, watching uh, since. I mean, I remember Luke and Laura's wedding in 1981, put it that way. <laughs> I remember that in the 1960s that my mother, when she was a stay-at-home mom, watched General Hospital. And Days of Our Lives, that was another big one. Yeah, just General I, Hospital, and I've gotten my 13-year-old son hooked on it. It's fabulous. We watch it together. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's very cool. You know, when I ask people to share something personal about them in these podcasts or something like that, I get the most amazing answers from people. People are just a trip. 
like there's this guy who's like super nerdy AI machine learning kind of guy. And I was expecting him to say, you know, like he plays chess or something like that. And he's like, I grow flowers. I was like, what? You know, <laughs> but people are like that. People are quirky and people are interesting and people are fascinating. So pop culture is general, general hospital. Anything else? What's else? What else is a little, a little quirky, a little unusual about you just to give people, besides the um, fact that you're, in fact, you're four foot eight, which is. Uh, uh, four foot 10. I, I'm up to oh, four foot 10 and a quarter. Bad. My bad. Um, but my bad. it's actually bad. one of the reasons why I never learned how to ride a bike. Ah. And, uh, I tried learning in my 40s. <laughs> and my husband, I actually just saw this. I just posted on Facebook because my kids learned their first four-letter word when I was trying to ride a bike in front of my house and fell over. And <laughs> it was on videotape of my child saying, sugar, honey, iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. Well, I had to say, like, having talked to you on the telephone, you sound taller. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's such a pleasure to have you. You've been so, uh, since we connected a little while ago, you've been such a great help to me. And you're always offer, you're an, always an offer. And your your programs, uh, let me rattle off a few of them. The Relationship Driven Leader and How to Get What You Want, Influencing Others, Get Know, Get Connected, Get Ahead, Relationship Networking, Building Your Brand, Boost Your Likeability, The Lost Art of Conversation in the Digital Age. I mean, those sound like fascinating speaking. And, and it sounds like to me like you run consulting programs and organizational engagements based on them, too. Yeah, I uh, I will come in and create custom programs. We do coaching hybrids. We, you know, I, I'm here to help. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds to me, again, we live in a, an age where it's very hard to use a crowbar to pry our teenagers from our phones. But, you know, in that age, like paradoxically, we need to get more connected. And that's what really really makes a difference both to our like quality of life. Cause if you read the Harvard health study, the greatest predictor of longevity and success was, you know, not the fact that, you know, not education and not socioeconomic class was quality of relationships uh, as one of the key drivers of happiness and success in this Harvard health study, I believe was started in 1935. So it's one of the longest longitudinal studies of, I of actually referenced that study in the book. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing to talk to you as usual. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for the difference you've made to me and all the help you've offered. It's been amazing. And, um, you know, I look forward to staying connected. I'm so glad to have been brought back. Thank you for having me on. All right. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. And hey, in closing, I just had a wild weekend. Well, it was a wild weekend for someone who's in their 50s. I watched Endgame uh, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which was off the hook, and then Thrones, the Battle of Winterfell, and all I can say is, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, it was great to get my geek on, and also I can enjoy those with my sons, which is great, my, my, my son, my teenager is a Thrones nut, so it gives us something, chance to bond around something that we both enjoy, which is fantastic. I'm reading some amazing books, one by Maria Popova called Figuring, which is a poetic, beautiful rendering of science, spirituality, art, and poetry. Highly, highly recommended. And her website, Brain Pickings, really has the most amazing content. If you want to head over there and check it out, she's uh, perhaps my favorite blogger on the internet. Uh, not really business content, much more philosophy, science, spirituality, poetry, art, but, uh, you know, it's enriching. I'm listening to amazing contemporary music at the moment. The late, great XXX Tentacion is uh, someone that I've been really enjoying, and I'm still 
in love with logic. He's maybe the best rapper of our time. So definitely I'll put some links to that in the show notes. And on my classical music interests, I've discovered I can get London's Classic FM on Alexa. And wow, it's good to connect to my hometown and my culture, as we say in England, my culture. Uh, I've added a link to Voces 8's recording of Lux Eterna by Elgar in the show notes. And I hope you enjoy that beauty as much as I do. It's just one of the most beautiful recordings I think I've listened to in this century, the 21st century. And I'm not exaggerating. It's amazing. So with all of that, I'm going to leave you uh, with this. Uh, uh, we've got some really exciting shows coming up in the future. We're going to have more on uh, business since that's a vein we've been exploring uh, most recently. So we're going to have some on artificial intelligence. We're going to have some more in behavioral science. Uh, we're going to have some more in the future of work. Uh, for now, thank you for listening today. And that's all for now. See you next week. To celebrate the launch of the show, and thank you all for listening, I'm going to be giving away books, lots and lots of books. All you have to do is leave a review in iTunes. We're going to raffle off a book every single week for 12 weeks. So head on over to paulgibbons.net slash iTunes to get easy-to-follow directions and let me know the title of your review to make sure that you're entered to win. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think Bigger, Think Better. Great ideas are great, but this isn't gospel. Share your critical thinking in the comments. Where do I disagree? What insights were most powerful? If you got value, don't forget to share the value by sharing the podcast. Finally, to get information on book and blog releases and new video content, head over to paulgibbons.net and join the community of thinkers talking about using science and philosophy to make our world a better place.